Welcome to week one of a brand new series we're doing called It's Complicated. All right, and we're talking about relationships today. When it comes to when it comes to being complicated, relationships can be complicated. Can I get a witness, right? Let me just say it this way. The reason we're calling it it's complicated is because relationships can be complicated. It's just complicated with your spouse, complicated with your with your kids, complicated with your coworkers. Hey, come on, somebody, complicated at the ball field? You know what I'm talking about? I've seen some of y'all at the ball field. I know. It's, it could get complicated sometimes at the ball field when you're dealing with relationships. But God's word is not silent about relationships. His word has a lot to offer, a lot to say about relationships. And the reason it gets complicated is when we choose not to do it God's way. All right, it gets complicated when we take matters into our own hands and when we don't follow his prescription. You know, the doctor's gonna give you a prescription when you go see him. And he, if you don't follow that, when you come back for the checkup, he's gonna go, hey, knucklehead, I gave you the prescription. Why didn't you do what I said? And I, I think that's, that's what happens with God sometimes. He gave us a prescription. We don't do it his way, and then we go, oh, my life's falling apart. And he goes, well, you didn't do it the way I told you to do it. So, um, the truth is, it does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. It always works out better when we do it God's way. Amen. Amen. So, today is going to be a PG-13 kind of day, all right? So, if you've got kids in the room, um, I just want to remind you, we have an incredible kids ministry, Um, because we're going to be talking about sexuality and moral standards today and we're going to take a look at what God's word has to say about that but uh, our kids ministry is available and let me just I'll just calm some of you right now and just let you know that if if you have a third or fourth grader they already know more than you think they know they do Uh, so you just you just got to be ready for it okay so anyway today we're talking about um, we're talking about it's complicated so uh, I want to start with this quote from C.S. Lewis who says human history Is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God that'll make him happy. Hey, y'all know it's true that all of our lives, for many of us, we're we're trying to find fulfillment and happiness in something other than God. And can I just tell you that he is the only one who can bring true fulfillment. Amen? He's the only one. So uh, we're going to... Through this series, we're going to learn to stop trying to do it on our own. We're going to expose the lies of the enemy, and we're going to find the truth of God's word, all right? So let's take a look at, let's take a look at um, our theme verse for this series. It's found in Romans. If you've got your message notes, when you came in, you received a worship guide, and it has um, uh, some message notes in there, some fill in the blanks. Go ahead and pull those out, and you can follow along there or the screens, um, and get ready to fill in some blanks, all right? Uh, but our, our theme verse for the series comes from Romans. And this whole chapter of Romans has a lot to say about sexuality. It has a lot to say about relationships. And I'm going to try to sum up uh, all of it in, in verses 21 through 25, okay? And let's take a look at that. It says that they knew God. and Who knew God? The people of that day. They knew that there had to be a God. There's got to be something other than what we're experiencing right now. There's got to be a God. But they wouldn't worship him. They wouldn't turn their eyes to him or even thank him. 
And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was really like. In other words, uh, they thought that God didn't have the right to say what was right or wrong. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we understand that you, you Christian people, you, you, you kind of read the Bible. And it's, listen, it's just a book, though. I mean, it doesn't really, it's not absolute. It, it's not the final authority. It really doesn't say what's right and wrong. But how many of you know this book is true? It's absolutely true. Amen? It is the final say. And, and so these people, they, they came up with these foolish ideas of what God was like. And if you think that God doesn't have the right to say what's right and wrong, then you're worshiping yourself. You're, you are your own God. Verse, uh, the next verse in verse 22 says, as a result of them thinking that um, these foolish ideas about God... Their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. So, so in other words, they're essentially saying, we know better. Hey, come on, we, we know better than, than God knows. Listen, because we're more progressive. We accept people just as they are. And, and, and it, nobody needs to change or do anything about the way they live their lives. And, and they became fools. The next verse, in verse 24, says, As a result of that, they, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. This is talking about sexual immorality here. And they traded the truth about God for a lie. And here's what I'm saying to us today, is that over these next few weeks, we're going to expose the lies of the enemy, and we're going to find out what God's word has to say about it. Amen? So are you ready? Okay. Because here, here's the deal, at the, end of this, at the end of my teaching, you can choose whether or not you want to believe me, you can choose whether or not you want to agree with this, and whether you take it to heart, that's really up to you, it's your choice to do that, but I need you to know something, I need you to know that the enemy, his ultimate goal for you is to get you to buy into some lies, and get you headed down the wrong direction, and here, let me, let me tell you this, let me explain something to you, the enemy has zero power over you. Unless you buy into his lies. And at that point, you give him influence and you give him a foothold in your life, okay? So we're not going to buy into his lies, all right? We're not going to buy into his lies. You, you can decide whether you're going to believe me or not. And you can walk away and say, yeah, I don't know about all this. But let me say, you'll be back. Because life will bring you to a point where you realize, hey, I think maybe Pastor Ben was right. I think maybe the Bible is true when it talks about relationships. So what I want for you guys is I, I want you to know, I want you to buy into this idea that in order for relationships to work, in order for relationships to work, you've got to let the one who designed them define them. In order for relationships to work like God designed for them to work, you've got to let the one, that's God, who designed them define them. And let me say it this way, the creator knows what's best for the creation. The creator, God, knows what's best for you and I. Now, when I was growing up, all of the teaching in church about sex was it's bad, wrong, and dirty. So save it for the one you love, right? <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like much fun, right? Um, I mean, a lot of the teaching when I was growing up, it was thou shalt not. But how many of you know the Bible actually has a lot to say about thou shalt, and it is good, right? <laughs> it is good. It's wonderful. God created sex, and it's good in the right, in the right 
order and the right parameters. And so um, I want to show you today, I want to take a look at uh, the very first place in the Bible where God had the, the absolute perfect um, environment sexually and physically for his creation. And it was in the Garden of Eden. It was with Adam and Eve. And it was, the, the word Eden means pleasure and delight. Okay, so this is, Eden was a place that was perfect. There was no guilt, there was no shame, no condemnation. It was a place, like everything you could imagine about Eden, it was that. It was incredible. Until, until they bought into the lie of the devil. Okay, and that's the way our lives are sometimes. It's going good until we buy into the lie of the enemy. And so this is found in Genesis chapter 3. All right, so this is three chapters in. God has created the heavens and the earth, Adam and Eve. It's going great, but within three chapters, it all comes to a crashing halt. And let's take a look at it. And in Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. And I just want to pause here and say that the devil is crafty. Okay, so he doesn't show up going, Hey, my name is Satan. I'd like to ruin your life. Is that, is that cool? Uh, I'm, I'm uh, what they used to call Lucifer, and I will destroy everything about you. He doesn't do that. I mean, it would kind of be nice, because then we could go, go, well, no thanks. I, I know who you are. But he doesn't do that, okay? He's crafty, and that's exactly what he did with, with Adam and Eve. And in the next verse, verse 2 says, he said to the woman, did, did God really say? And this is the first lie. We're going to talk about five lies in just a moment. Um, I'm kind of hungry, and I'm thinking about five guys. I wish we had five guys here still, but we don't. <laughs> well, we're talking about five lies today, five lies. And, and the first one is, that, did God really say? Come on, Eve. Did God really tell you that you couldn't eat from any tree in the garden? And he's twisting the truth, okay? Because Eve says, well, um, in the next verse, Eve says, the, the woman said to the serpent, we can eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say that we can't eat the fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not even touch it or you'll die. And then the serpent, Satan, says, oh, come on, you won't die. That's the second lie. Hey, you're not going to die. You can't trust God. You're not going to die, the serpent said to the woman. The next verse, he says, for God knows. Here's, here's, here's the deal, Eve. You're not going to die because God knows that when you eat from that tree, your eyes are going to be opened. You're actually going to be more like God, and he doesn't want that to happen to you. He doesn't want you to be like him, Eve. And that's another lie. You'll know good and evil. He doesn't, he doesn't want that for you. And God really didn't want them to be stripped of their innocence. And it goes on to say that when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, she ate it, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then check this out. This is what happens. When, when we give into the lies of the enemy, when we buy into the lies and we, we start walking down that pathway of sin, they realized they were naked. Okay, until this point, they had no clue that they were even naked. This is Eden. It's perfect. And they don't even know that they were naked until they sinned. And then they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings over their bodies. They made coverings for themselves. Why, what were they doing? They were beginning to hide behind their shame. 
I did something that I wasn't supposed to do and I really don't want anybody to see. I really don't want anybody to see what's going on with me. I made some decisions I'm not really proud of and I don't want anybody to know about so they hid behind their shame. And that's what shame causes us to do, to hide. Now, I don't have time to read it today but the following verses, the Bible says while they were hiding, God came out looking for them. And see, some of you think that God has, he's this cosmic killjoy kind of God, and he wants to zap you for every mistake that you, you make. But the Bible says God began to walk slowly through the garden, calling out for Adam, where are you? Where are you? And I want to tell you today, some of you may feel in this message, you may feel in parts of it is just some shame and you want to run and hide, but I'm telling you, God is looking for you. He's not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. Come on. He wants a relationship with you. So don't hide behind your shame. Don't hide behind all the guilt and the condemnation. Amen? So, um, some of this message is, you're going you're gonna to find some moments in the message today where you're not sure, should I laugh? Should I not laugh? Is it, uh, and it's not really a funny message today, so I thought to myself, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you a joke, just, just because it's not really very funny. The whole rest of the message isn't, isn't going to be funny, Okay? So back in the day, um, back in the day, there was uh, churches uh, used to visit people. They used to do door to door. Y'all remember those days? And pastors on a Sunday afternoon, they would go knock on doors and visit people. And and if you're a guest with us today, we don't do that. So you can you feel comfortable to fill that card out because we're not gonna visit your house. We have a hassle free guarantee. But back in the day, they would knock on doors and visit with people and. This one pastor was going around door to door one Sunday and visiting first time guests and he came to this lady's house, knocked on the door and she didn't answer. And so he had this little business card that he would leave on the door and it was kind of this little corny thing that he would do and he would write this Bible verse on it and he would write Revelation chapter 320. He would, if they didn't answer, he would say, here I am at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I'll come in and eat with you, which is kind of weird, right? But uh, I'll come in and eat, I'll eat your food, and, and, and you'll eat with me. And so he wrote that on this verse. The lady didn't answer the door. He wrote the verse on the card, and the next Sunday at church, he gets that business card back, but it's got the lady's handwriting on it. And uh, she wrote Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. <laughs> so I hid. <laughs> That's pretty good right there. You got you to gotta admit, that's funny. So uh, anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything other than uh, right, this verse is right at, this is what they said to God, right? So um, yeah. Well, um, what I want to do today is I want to show you five lies in the, in the passage that we just read. Five lies, which really are five steps, okay? So the enemy is going to try to get you, he's, he's going to, He's going to come at you with some lies and try to get you on a pathway over five different steps. These steps are lies as well. And the very last lie is, it's a dangerous place. They're all dangerous. It's all bad for us, okay? But I want to show you what these are because um, I just think we need to talk about it, all right? I, I think the reason why we have so much confusion, so much uh, um, 
uh, of an identity crisis in our world today and so much sexual immorality is because the church really hasn't done a good job of talking about it. They were angry when they talked about it. They were hateful when they talked about it. They were judgmental when they talked about it and so people just didn't listen or they just didn't talk, okay? So I want you to hear me today. There's no shame or no guilt coming from here, okay? As I, as I deliver this message, it's with all the love and grace inside of me, all right? But here's the first step that the enemy wants us to take. That, that the devil gets us to question God's word. Remember he said, did God really say? Did, did God really say that? And the lie that he gives us is, hey listen, God's word isn't really true. You can't bank on it. Hey listen, you, you can't take it to the bank and cash it. It's not absolute. It's not real. Did God really say? And where we have a problem with this is when we find something in God's word that's hard for us to agree with, all right? And can I just be honest with you, even as a pastor, there's sometimes I find things in God's word that I'm just like, oh, really, God? Really? Like loving people? You mean I have to, I have to love some people? Well they, well, they did me wrong. God, I don't want to love them, right? But it's in his word that, that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, Right? And so when we go through these times, we have a choice. We have to make a decision. So we can either, uh, if God's standard is here, uh, then we have to either decide, are we going to lower God's standard to what we believe, or are we going to raise ourselves to God's standard and, and do what he says is right? Are you following me? We have a choice every time Every, every time we find something hard to believe in the word of God, we have that choice. Well, so, so let me say it this way. If you're having a hard time, if, if you're having a hard time accepting God's word, it's, it's supposed to be that way. Really, is it supposed to be that way? Yes, because his word confronts us. His word motivates us. His word calls us out of complacency. His word uh, moves us to higher levels. Are you with me? And it challenges us in ways that might be hard for us to understand or hard for us to believe. In fact, Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, we also, we thank God continually because you received the word of God. Okay, the word of God is it's the scripture. You received it, which you heard from us. You accepted it, but not as word of men. No, you, you accepted it actually as it is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Let me say it this way. The word of God works. The word of God works if you receive it, accept it, believe it. Okay, you, ha you, have, to, you have to believe it. You have to take it in. You have to act on it. And I love what Tim Keller says. Uh, he, he says that if your God never disagrees with you, then you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Because chances are God's not always going to be on your side. <laughs> He's not always going to agree with what you want to do or what you believe. He's going to challenge you and motivate you to a higher level. Amen? So that the, the first lie is, hey, God's word isn't really true. The second step and the second lie is that the devil begins to scoff at the negative consequences of sin. And here's the lie. He says, Come on, man, that choice isn't going to hurt you. Hey, you, you can get by with that. Nobody will ever know. N nobody, nobody needs to know. 
you can, hey, you can do what you want. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt anybody else. That's the lie that he gives us. And how many of you know this is, it's a lie, <laughs> straight from the pit of hell. The enemy convinces us that, that it's okay, that what we're doing doesn't have any consequences. But the scripture in Proverbs 14 says it otherwise. It says it differently, that there is a way that it looks right. It looks like we ought to do it this way. But in the end, it leads to death. In the end, it takes us down. Now, as humans, we have a, a, a tendency to wander, to, to wander away. The Bible says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. So the old uh, song, um, uh, Come Thou Fount, says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It sounds like us, that, that we're prone. We have this tendency to wonder. And if you are wondering right now, it might be because you've bought into the lie that you can do what you want, when you want, without any consequences. Pastor, it really doesn't matter how many people I sleep with. Come on. It, it, it doesn't matter how many partners I have. It, it won't hurt anybody else. This is my decision. Come on, this is just recreational activity. It's just, it's not going to hurt anybody else. This is just two consenting adults. It's fine. But listen, it's not fine. Because you got to let the one who designed it define it. you got to let the one who designed sexual creation define it. And, and, and listen, some of you think that you, you think God doesn't even know anything about sex. He created it. I mean, do you think he was... Shocked when he saw Adam and Eve getting it on in the bushes? Come on. He created it. He didn't go, oh God, I mean, oh me. He didn't, he didn't do that. He was like, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how it's supposed to work. This is, this is good, right? He created sexual intimacy. And listen, um, he wasn't caught off guard by it. He created it, he, but he created it and designed it to work within parameters, okay? Um, now, I love a good fireplace. I love fires. Um, I have always played with fire and nearly burnt things down before. I was a little kid, and me and my brother and a friend nearly burnt a forest behind our, our house down. It was not good. I've just loved fire all my life. But fire, you can't just burn a fire anywhere, Right? Like, what if I brought some logs up here, sprayed some, some lighter fluid on it, and just struck a match? You would probably take off running. Why? Because it can't be contained. I mean, it's going to burn through this floor. It's, it's going to, this floor, is, it's a wood subfloor. I mean, we've got wood all around. It's, it can't be contained. You're not going to stay around to see what happens. So listen, it's amazing to me that something we enjoy in the right context can be dangerous in the wrong context. It's a good thing in the right context, but the wrong context, it, it's, it's your worst day. Now, we have gas logs at our house. I love uh, starting a fire on a cold day. We're going to have an opportunity for that this week, by the way. <laughs> it's going to be really cold this week. And I love to just start a fire and, and you know, put my stretchy pants on. Because... Uh, when you are old, 
Sometimes you wear stretchy pants. He's for fun. He's for fun. I love him. Drinking some, I drink decaf coffee. Now, believe it or not, after the fast, I never went back to caffeinated coffee. I've been drinking decaf, and I feel great, by the way. And, and uh, so I, I just love to sit by that fire. I, we enjoy the fire in the box when it's controlled. But you let that fire out of the box, and it's your worst day. It will destroy everything you own. Can I tell you, it's the same way with our sexuality. When we do it in the right parameters, man, it's good, it's healthy, but outside of that, it will, the Bible says, read the Proverbs, it will destroy everything about your life. And, and so what am I trying to say? Uh, write this in your notes. Passions need parameters. Passions need parameters. So they can be enjoyed at, at the fullest. Man, you, you can have an incredible, passionate sexual relationship but listen to me it it needs to be the way God created it in the prescription that he has for you and that is one man one woman in marriage okay now that's his prescription that's the way it works best so let me let me give you the the third step all right remember the enemy's lying to us and he's trying to get us to take these steps further and further away from God step three is the devil actually accuses God of evil intent he says, he says, Eve, God's just trying to keep you under his thumb. He doesn't want you to be like him. And, and so the devil accuses God of evil intent, and he lies to us by saying righteousness is boring. Sin is where it's at. Come on, look at all those people having fun. They don't care what people say about them. They're just out having a good time. Nothing's happening to them. Man, they're, 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 having, they're having a time of their life. Sin is fun. The Bible actually says that. You know, what, what the devil will do, what the enemy will do, is he will take a truth and he'll twist it. He did it with Jesus in the wilderness. He does it with us today, and, and the devil says something that's actually true. Sin is fun. The Bible actually says sin is fun for a season. He left that part out. And that season will quickly turn to a season of regret. How do you know, Pastor Ben? Hey, because I've been there. I've been there. Listen, it'll turn to a season of regrets. But, but when we start serving God, listen, when we start identifying the gifts and the passions and the things that he has inside of us, when we start serving him, we'll realize how fun it is to serve God. Psalm, 1, Psalm 16 says it this way. That you will show me the path of life. God, you're going to show me my plan. You're going to show me the, the, the future. You're going to show me the, the destiny, the, the plans, the purpose that you have for me. And in your presence, it's fullness of joy. I'm not talking about some joy, fullness of joy. I don't know what fullness of joy is like, but I want some fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures. That sounds good. Hey, let's, let's pleasures forever. When I get in your presence, when I'm fulfilling the call that you have on my life. So let me say it this way. When you follow God's prescription for your life, you will experience the best physical and sexual intimacy with your spouse that no, that, that no, uh, no drug, no toy, no encounter with another person can give you. Come on. I told you it was going to be PG-13. 
It's, it's good when you do it God's way. But see, there's a group of people out there who will say that they believe that they can love people better than God can love people. And they say, hey, no, no, you just need to come over here to us. Come on, we'll, we'll accept you just the way you are. Listen, you don't need to change anything. You don't need to do anything different about the way that you're living. It's just fine. They think that they can, they think that they can love people better than God loves them. But let me tell you this. The most loving th- thing that our God does is call us out of sin. Then we're not meant to just keep on going down that path. I hope this is helping somebody today. Man, that we're, not, we're not meant to just keep doing the same things. He, he loves us so much that he calls us out of the sinful life that we've been living. And if you believe that God is bad, oh, we're, we're good over here. We don't need to change anything. God is bad. Then you'll start to believe this next step in the next lie. And that's step number four, which says that the devil will begin to advertise sin's actually good for you. Come on, sin, sin is good for you. He, he'll say, hey, listen, it's, it's fine to sleep with multiple partners. I mean, if, if you're going to marry one of them, don't you want to know how they perform in bed before you, before you get married? Come on, don't, don't you want to know what it's like? I mean, it's actually good for you to do it this way. You'll be better off if you're in charge with you leading your life. Mm. He does this. But here's the thing, you can't follow your feelings. We talked about that last week. You can't follow your feelings because there's going to be a day when you're mad at your spouse and you're angry and you're frustrated and you want to throw in the towel and you feel like divorcing them. But it, it, hey, that, that's not the right thing to do. There's going to be days when you want to knock your kids into next week. Come on. But that's not okay. It's not good. Don't do that. And you married people, you know what I'm talking about because... You don't always have the same feeling you've, you, you had on the wedding day when you saw your spouse or your wife walking down the aisle or your husband standing at the altar. Hey, come on, that was a totally different day. Y'all are like, hey, let's just skip the reception, give doggy bags to people. We're going to the honeymoon right now. Let's go, right? Come on. You get on the honeymoon and two to three days later, you go, who are you? Where did you come from? What'd you do with my spouse? You're not the one I married, Right? Why? Because feelings change. Because you found out he's got gas. You know, because you found out she, you know, looks different without her makeup on, whatever, whatever it is, right? You found out something about them. You're like, oh, no, I didn't know that. You didn't flush the toilet. Didn't put the toilet seat down. Come on. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's a brown, flush it down. You didn't do that. <laughs> it's a terrible joke. <laughs> Come on, what happened? It was your feelings changed. All right, so, so what do we do about that? What do we do? You gotta make the right choices. I'm a, that's why we take a covenant, a vow when we get married. And listen, if you're divorced, I'm not trying to, uh, to, to push any guilt or shame or anything like that on you today. God's grace is enough. He's, he's sufficient for us. But listen, the enemy lies to us. And, and he gets us to go down paths that we just don't need to go down. All right, and the fifth and the final lie is, the fifth step is, is this one, that the devil uses sin to create shame that destroys future relationships. Now, I want you to notice the progression. 
Because what Satan does is he, he gets you to buy into the lie, hook, line, and sinker. That, hey, it's okay for you to do these things. Hey, hey there's no consequence for your sin. Um, sin is fun. It's beneficial. And then when you bite on it, when you go in for that, he turns it all around on you. And you feel guilty. And you feel condemned. And you feel shameful. And he's got you right where he wants you. Come on, I'm preaching today now. It'll be, next week's about singles. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have a, a fun, something really funny next week. Y'all going to love it, all right? But today, it's real. Okay, we're getting real. The lie is, he says, hey, it's too late. You can't change. Hey, you can't change. You just need to hide. You just need to hide behind the mask. Hide behind you got everything together. Hide behind your life is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But, but here's the thing. Uh, a lot of us, we feel like God is that cosmic killjoy kind of God. That he's sitting on the front porch of heaven, arms crossed, frown on his face, waiting to chew us out for breaking curfew. But the reality is he's on the front porch. But his arms aren't crossed, man. He's got his binoculars out. And he's going, man, where are they? I can't wait to, I, I just want to embrace them again. Come on back home. I, I hope they know how much I love them. I hope they know how much I care about them. It's not too late. Come on back. It's, it's the story of the prodigal that, that the father was out there looking for his lost son. And he's doing the same for you. You need to know that. He's loving. He's kind. He's ready to forgive. And it's not too late. It's not too late. Psalm 34 says that those who look to him for help, those who come to him for help, will be radiant with joy. Why? Why are they radiant with joy? Because there's no shadow of shame that can darken their face. Man, they, they can smile knowing that God's got them. They can smile knowing that their shame has been erased by the blood of Jesus. That he has forgiven them, that he has cleansed them, that he has, that he has washed them and made them new. But it's for those who look to him for help. And the goal of the enemy is to get you to live in shame. He wants you to live behind that mask. Now, um, I want to talk about small groups for just a second because we're, we're coming into our second week of small groups. And I'm begging you as a church, as you get in a group, to be authentic and to be real. To take off the mask, to quit trying to hide behind like that your life is good and, and everything's under control and you know your life is fine and get honest with some people. And, and, and I wanna just encourage the rest of you that when somebody gets honest with you, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to handle it. Okay, the wrong way is to go, oh, I can't believe you. Sicko. It's the wrong way. Can't believe you're in this group. I thought you were better than that. That's the wrong way. The right way is, man, thank you for sharing that. Come on, thank, thank you for telling me that. Thank you for being vulnerable and showing me your scars. Because here's the deal. I've got some too. I want to show you my scars. I want to show you where I'm struggling. I want to show you where I'm, where I'm hurting right now. 
And that's the right way to do it. Because here's the thing. We're all in the same hospital. We're all being treated for the same illness. We're, we're sinners in need of a Savior. We need Jesus in our lives. And, and um, the world is accepting the sin. Listen to me. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. Please don't misinterpret this. The world is accepting people. Yeah, just come on over here, man. We'll treat you better than they do. The church, yeah, they're, they hurt people. They run people off. Come on over here and we'll validate you. And what I'm saying is um, acceptance and approval are not the same thing. Acceptance is not approval. And I think the church in general needs to do a better job of accepting people. That the church needs to be the safest place for people to come so that they won't go somewhere else for validation. Because here's the thing. We, God loves you just as you are. He just doesn't want you to stay as you are. Come on. So let, let's do that. Let's find that. That we can accept some people just as they are and help them become just as God wants them to be. Amen? So there's three, there's three possible responses that you might have to this message. I'm going to try to go through these fast. So write this one down. The first response you might have is you're just defensive. And you say, well, hey, I, you know, I appreciate you t- talking about this today, Ben, but you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because it's, it's fine. It's not hurting me. I'm good. But listen, that is the thought process of the devil. Selfishness. It is you first. And your life cannot be just about you. Jesus on his way to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, did not want to go to the cross. But he settled in his heart in Luke, not my will, your will. Okay, God, I know my flesh is wanting these things, but I'm going to say not my will. Lord, your will be done. I'm not going to be defensive. Lord, I want your way in me. The second response you could have is remorse. Where you say, Ben, you're right. Man, you're absolutely 100% right about this, but you're 10 years too late. I'm damaged goods. I've made too many mistakes. I've done too many things. God doesn't want somebody like me. And that, again, is a thought process of the enemy that says that that he wants you to believe that you'll never get hope, that you'll never have hope, you'll never get help. He wants you to believe that there's no way out for you, that you'll always be this way. You'll always struggle with those kinds of things. And he wants to fill you with guilt and shame. But Romans 8 says it this way, that there's now there no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, there's no condemnation for Coming from me to you, there's no condemnation if you know Jesus, and and it's because you belong to him. And the power of the life-giving spirit, the Holy Spirit, has freed you. That means he's set you free. You don't have to go back to the power of sin that leads you to death. You don't have to go back that way. And, And as we talk about freedom, there's one group that I always promote. I don't promote other groups, but there's one group I promote, and that is freedom. Freedom is, is this 12, 13-week small group. It's a curriculum. And I want every single one of you to go through it at some point in your journey here. Maybe, it doesn't have to be this semester, but at some point. In fact, if you want to get in it, 
like this week's the last week that you can really get in because of the, the way the curriculum works. But freedom is all about God just kind of peeling back, stripping back all the lies that you've believed through the years. Oh, and you're going to realize there was a lot of lies you believed through the years. And you're going you're gonna to find your real identity in Jesus Christ. And you're going to find freedom in your life. I'm telling you, it's incredible. And all the people who've been through freedom said a good amen. Because it makes a difference. It, it's, it's freedom. The third response that you could have is the right response. It's, it's repentance. You can be repentant. And, and repentance, we've talked about it the last six weeks, is a good word that just means to turn. That you choose to turn around. And some of you in, in the room today, you're in, you're in the moment of sin. Like you're caught. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's with pornography. Maybe, I don't know what it is for you. But it's time to turn and go the other direction. I don't condemn you. And here's the even better news. God doesn't condemn you. When Jesus met with the, the woman caught in the act of adultery, he said, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. And he said, neither do I condemn you, but I need you to turn from what you've been doing. Go and sin no more. No more. Go and sin no more. And it's time to repent. It's time to turn the other way. 2 Corinthians 7 says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. <laughs> it leaves no regret. Repentance leads to salvation, which leads to no regret. Hey, come on. No regret in your life. But notice what happens. Worldly sorrow brings death to you physically, death to you spiritually, death to you emotionally, death to you relationally. And here's the deal. It gets complicated. It gets complicated. So let me leave you with this one last thing. Right, jot this down. That repentance is a moment of pain. But being unrepentant is a lifetime of pain. It's a lifetime of pain. And when you've written that down, just where you are, bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. And let me ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's he whispering to your heart? There's no shame or guilt being projected from this platform. I'm telling you, if I just I feel like I have an authority to be able to talk about stuff like this because I've been through stuff like this. And I'm I'm just asking you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand about any sort of sin issues or anything like that, but I do want to pray for you. And Father, right now I lift up every person in this room today. I'm praying that you would draw every person to you, God. The enemy wants to, to have people living in shame and guilt and condemnation and fear and to just put the mask on, to put the facade on and to act like everything's okay when we really know deep down inside it's not okay. And God, you want to do something in our lives. You want to set us free. Lord, I'm praying right now that you would take every one of us and turn us from darkness to light. Turn us from the evil ways to the righteous ways. God, remind us that, that, that serving you is full of joy, full of pleasures. God, help us to 
notice the lies of the enemy as they come at us. Father, I'm praying right now that, that we would get honest and we would get free and we would find hope and freedom in Jesus' name. And with your heads still bowed, um, in a room like this, maybe there's some people you're, you're far from God. You feel far from God. Your life is not anywhere close to where you want it to be. Maybe you're thinking, I don't, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Maybe you were a Christian. At one point, you backslid. That, that, that means you, you fell away from God. You turned the other way. And today, you're, you're carrying the weight. You're carrying the guilt of your sin, the shame of your, your past. And it's weighing heavy on you. Today, you can leave here lighter. You can leave here changed. You can leave here set free. You can leave here knowing that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and that he's the Savior of your life. And so right where you are, if that's you, you want to give Jesus an opportunity to do a work in you, to begin a, a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Just slip up your hand. I'm ready. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Come on. There's hands up all over the place. Anybody else would say, that's me. Anybody else in the balcony? Anybody else? I'm, I'm ready for a real relationship with Jesus. I'm ready to begin. Thank you. I see you in the back. Come on, four hands are up already. Anybody else would say, that's me. I'm ready for a real relationship with Jesus. I want to know him. I want him to be the Lord of my life. One more chance, one more opportunity. Anybody else? All right. Hey, for all of those, for those four who said yes to Jesus today, let's all say this together with boldness. Let's say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I repent. I turn from my way to follow your way will you forgive me will you cleanse me give me a fresh start wash me white as snow cleanse me from unrighteousness and make me new I confess you as my Lord you are my Savior I'm validated in you from this day forward, I will follow you the best way I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today for four people who said, that is me. I'm going all in for Jesus today. Yeah.